so grateful for each and every one of you. Our text today comes from 1 Samuel chapter number 30, beginning in verse number 3. 1 Samuel chapter 30, beginning in verse number 3. It says, when David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. I call the first one Anne because her name is real hard to pronounce. Anne of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord. Today I want to minister to you on the age-old saying, when life deals you lemons, make lemonade. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister by your power, by your grace, and by your anointing? Would you touch each heart? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as you can see here, I got a little experiment over here. Kind of wanted to start off today's sermon by illustrating something for you. And you know, we have a bunch of lemons here, and, and lemons by themselves are just plain old, they're nasty. I mean, when you bite into a lemon, it, it looks like this. Pray for me, okay? Dear God, I don't know how people do that for enjoyment. That is just nasty like nasty can be. But when you take all this stuff, when you take take the lemons and, and you add some, some water to the lemons, you're not supposed to do it like this. And you add water to the lemons and then you add ice to the lemons and then you add, I'm going to add no sugar. You add sugar to the lemons. This is like Food Network right here. Look at that. Oh, bam. You get, you get some lemonade, right? And, and, and lemonade is just so much different then lemons, because because when you bite into a lemon, remember you get. I just did that twice. I really didn't have to do it the second time. Um, but it's it's nasty. But when you add all them other things to it, it's so good. It's so refreshing. And so what I want to talk to you about today is how do you take the lemons that life deals to everybody. Because life deals everybody lemons some of the time. And how do you make lemonade? You know, this is our weekend where we're turning the COVID lemon into lemonade. We're adding some stuff to it. We're adding a drive-in movie. We're adding a big screen. We're adding some snacks. This is our way of taking COVID-19, which has shut us down. We're not allowed to open here in our building unless we have 50 or less. In a church of our size, we can't do that. And so what we've done is we've added some ice. We've added some sugar. We've added some water. We've added some snacks. We've added a big screen. And we've made some lemonade a fun time for the whole family. Of course, there are other people during this time who have had some some real horrible lemons that have been dealt to them. Loss of a job, a business that has gone up in smoke, or perhaps worst of all, the loss of a loved one. And they're left with having to pick up the pieces and to move forward. How do you do that? How do you make lemonade when life deals you lemons? Enter David. David and his mighty men. They have been dealt a, a, a lemon of epic proportions. Their houses have been burned up. All their possessions totally gone. And then their children and their spouses 
captured and taken off into a, a, a distant land. They are hurt. They, each one of them has been bitter in their heart. They're bitter, the scripture says, in their spirit. Uh, in a minute, everything has gone from wonderful and living on top of the world to everything up in smoke. They're angry. They're negative. They're asking, whose fault is it? They're wondering who is responsible. They're overwhelmed to the point where they have no strength left in them. And the scripture again says they're all bitter in spirit. But in the face of the very same circumstances, the scripture says that David found his strength in the Lord. The more popular version of that text is David encouraged himself in the Lord. This group of mighty men, they were tough. They were strong. They were seemingly invincible. They got dealt some lemons and they all stood at the intersection that we all stand at at some point in our life. The intersection between bitter road and better road. What do you do when you stand at that intersection? What do you do when life deals you lemons? Do you become a lemon head or do you make lemonade? How do you add the water? How do you add the ice? How do you add the sugar? How do you see something that is bad turn into something that you can begin to move forward with? And so today what I want to talk to you about is how do you make lemonade? First thing you need to do is you need to realize bitter or better is a choice. Bitter road or better road is a choice. Everyone, let me say it again, stands at the intersection of bitter and better road sometimes in life. And when you find yourself at that intersection, the feelings when life turns or, or deals you lemons, the feeling is that you don't have a choice. The feeling sometimes is that, you know, how could I not be bitter? How could I not get angry? How could I not be grumpy? How could my life uh, not be changed for the worse from this point forward? But here's what you have to understand when you stand at that intersection. You always have a choice about which road you're going to take. You have a choice whether you're going to become a lemon head or you're going to become a lemonade drinker. In life, our greatest power is our power to choose. Victor Frankl, Nazi concentration camp um, survivor and world-renowned psychologist, said it best. He said, the greatest of all human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. We have the power to choose whether we are going to go down bitter road or better road. Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verse number 19 puts it like this. It says, I set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. We can't always choose whether or not we'll get lemons in life. Sometimes lemons just happen. And there are all sorts of reasons and people try to figure it out. We're going to talk about that later on. Lemons come for all different sorts of reasons. We can't always choose them. But we can choose how we respond to the lemons. We can choose whether we go down bitter road or better road. The greatest power that we have is our power to choose. And oftentimes, people that are on bitter road will say, well, well, you're not on bitter road. You're acting like everything's okay because you've never had anything bad happen to you. Or, or the reason why you can say that is because you're not going through what I'm going through. It's easy for you because you don't have the same circumstances as me. And although we understand that different circumstances are harder than others and different circumstances um, affect people in different ways, enter David. David and his mighty men, they all experienced the same exact circumstances. They all had their houses burned up. 
They all lost all of their possessions. They all had their wives, their spouses, and their kids taken from them. All of them, except one, chose bitter road. But David chose better road. He found his strength in the Lord. I want to encourage somebody today. I came here to tell you that there is supernatural strength that we can find in God. I came here to remind you that God gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. That he is near to the brokenhearted. That he becomes our strength in times of trouble. That when we are weak his grace fortifies us with strength. When we can't fight he fights for us. When we can't lift ourselves up. He becomes the glory and the lifter of our head. David found his strength in the Lord because David chose better road. He found it there. You can choose. I said you can choose. I didn't say that to condemn you, but to encourage you. Because sometimes the enemy will try to trick you and tell you, you have no choice when lemons come your way. That you have to choose bitter road. But here's what I found out. That when you choose and you can choose better road, when you choose that, there's a strength from God that comes. It begins to well up on the inside of you. It's not that it's easy, but it's the better way. You can choose better road. Second thing you need to know if you're going to make lemonade is it's natural. And therefore, easy to choose bitter road. The normal response, the natural response to life dealing us lemons is that face that I made. I'm not going to do it again because that was nasty, straight up nasty. That, that natural response when life deals you lemons is to get bitter. The natural response is to get angry. Our reaction when bitter things come our way is to bark and bite. You know, we, we start wanting to blame people and we start to want to look for, you know, whose fault is that? And who's, it's one of the ways in which we try to cope. But when we cope with the blame game, we lose hope. And so bitter things usually come with barks and bites. That's normal. Remember, the text said that David's men, of David's men, that each one of them, in other words, the easy choice, the natural choice, the choice most commonly made is to get bitter. Each one was bitter in their spirit. Most people, when they stand at the intersection of bitter and better road, they, they choose better road. But even though it's natural, trust me on this, been there, done that, have the t-shirt, it's the wrong choice. Because the further you go down bitter road, the more encumbered and weighty your spirit becomes, and the more grumpy and irritable and unhappy and mad at the world you get. And here's the thing it, that, that, that you need to know. Bitter road, the bitter choice, it's a subtle choice. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm going to be bitter the rest of my life. I'm going to be unhappy the rest of my life. I'm going to be mad at the world. Nobody gets up going, I'm going to make that choice. I think I'll spend the rest of my life hurt and grumpy. Nobody does that. The bitter root begins under the surface in a dark secret place where no one can see it. And at first, nobody knows that it's even there. You don't even necessarily know that it's going on the inside of you because you don't want to tell everybody how you're feeling. Uh, you don't know, you know that if you just tell everybody, it doesn't change anything. You don't want to seem petty or childish. You don't want to seem like you're letting everybody know what's eating at you. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to ask for help. But under the surface, that bitter root is taking root. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Notice the language. See to it. That is strong language that reinforces 
that we can opt off of bitter roads. You, you see to it that this doesn't happen. You can opt off. Maybe you've already traveled down bitter road. I want you to know you can opt off and you can get on better road right away. You need to see to it. What's he saying? He's saying this. We have to war. Against the natural, the easy choice when life deals us lemons to get bitter. We have to war against that because it can be a spiritual cancer. We need to understand its power. It spreads like a wildfire and it brings lots of trouble into our life. It may start off in private, but it ends up in public and everyone knows it because it shows up in your attitude. It shows up in your decisions. It shows up in your relationships. It shows up on your job. It shows up in your outlook, in your family, in your friendships, eventually in your health, everything until it gets inside of your whole inner being. It creates baggage and rage. And in short, as the scripture says, the bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. The bitter road is the wrong road to choose, even though it's the wide road and most people do choose it. But I want you to know that there's another choice. There's a different road that you can go down. The Bible talks about it. I call it the Christ-like way, the God way. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says, go in through the narrow gate. The gate to destruction is wide. And the road that leads there is easy to follow. A lot of people go through that gate. But the gate to life is very narrow. The road that leads there is so hard to follow that only a few people can find it. I'm thankful, as hard as it is, that there's another road. I'm thankful that even though it's not natural, there's a supernatural road. I'm thankful that bitter road is not the only road that is offered to us in life, even when life deals us lemons, that we can choose better road. And listen, number three, choosing better is better. Pastor, that was profound. I know, I thought of that all night. Choosing better is better. Listen to this famous poem by Robert Frost. It's called The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler so long I stood. And looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair. And having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves. No step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I should be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Taking better road is better than taking better road. It's, it's just better on better road. People are happier They are more at ease. They're less likely to be offended. They're at peace. They're rational. They're unstuck. They're able to move forward as difficult as it sometimes is. And here's the thing about bitter and better road. People are on that road who have had the same kinds of circumstances happen because the choice is ours. See, better is better 
There's restoration on better road. There's healing on better road. There's the heart that gets mended on better road. There's comfort on better road. There's a peace that passes all understanding on better road. There's double for your trouble on better road. There's a grace to keep you going and grinding on better road. There's help on the better road. There's meaning and purpose on the better road. There is a repurposing of your pain on better road. Better is just better. Fourth thing you need to know, how do you make lemonade? Pastor, what do I do? Life has dealt me lemons. You need to know God blesses the better road choice. David chose better road. Was it easy? No. Was David in pain just like everybody else? Yes. See, making the choice doesn't mean that instantaneously things feel better. But eventually, God begins to move and his grace begins to catch up with where you're at. And so David chose better road because he found his strength in the Lord. Sometimes you need the the strength of God to say, no, 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 I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to go down better road. And look at what happened because David chose the better road. 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 18 says, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. When I read that the first time, I'm saying, was that really a blessing? Because he got two wives. Who, who needs two wives? This whole thing is his sister wives, and Solomon was supposed to be the smartest man that ever lived, and he had 700 wives and concubines. I think he's pl- flat out dumb, right? This would have been more of a blessing. He recovered one wife. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. You understand what I'm saying, though? Is that look what God did. Because he chose better road, God blessed that choice. It's only on better street, better road that God can take all the bad that has happened and turn it around for good. On better street is where your future success is. On better street is where your healthier soul lies. On better street, there is recovery. There is restoration. That is where God rights the wrongs and begins to heal the pains. It's where God takes what the enemy meant for evil and begins to put in some sugar and some water and ice and make lemonade out of life's lemons. You know, as I was putting this this sermon together, the scripture that God brought to my heart about choosing better road and why he blesses it is John chapter 6, verse number 11. And and you remember the story. It's the story of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 families, not 5,000 people, 5,000 families. Most scholars believe that the families were anywhere from 10 to 12 people because Jewish people believed in lots of kids. Right? Aren't you glad you don't believe in lots of kids right now? Because if you had like 10, 12 kids in your house right now, you'd be going crazy. Because with three, you're going crazy. Well, they believed that this crowd was that big. So it's like 50 to 60,000 people. And you remember the story, Jesus feeds the 50 to 60,000 people, families, 5,000 families, with what started off as a little boy's lunch. Here's the question. How did the miracle happen? John chapter 6, verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves... He gave thanks and he he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. How did the miracle happen? What they started with wound up in the hands of Jesus. How did the miracle happen? What they started with wound up in the hands of Jesus. Here's what I know. I know that when we take our lemons, 
And when we place him in his nail-scarred hands, his hands begin to go to work. Those hands that from the dirt made human beings go to work. Those hands that reached out and cleansed lepers, they go to work. Those hands that reach out and touch blind eyes, they go to work. Those hands that picked up the woman who was caught in adultery and cast in the dirt, uh, cast in the dirt and brushed her off. Those hands go to work. Those hands that took that little boy's lunch and held him up and gave thanks. They go to work. Our God has working hands. And he's waiting to put those working hands on your lemons and turn your mess into something that is miraculous. I don't know how he does it, but this I do know. When we put our lemons in his hands, God begins to add the water, the ice, and the sugar to our lemons And we get something that's better than the lemon that life has dealt us. I wonder what God wants to do with your lemons. But you have to put it in his hands. How do I make lemonade, Pastor? Lastly, number five. And I think this is the most important. You have to ask, what now, not why me? You have to ask, what now, not why me? I want to close with a very personal story. It's a story that was featured on on NBC on Wednesday evening of this week about our very own Pastor Al. As you know by now, especially those of you that come to Faith Church, those of you that are watching that don't come here, you may not know this. Pastor Al and his wife Donna, they lost their son Jonathan to COVID a little over a month ago. And like so many, Pastor Al could have asked the question, why me? He could have let perhaps the most painful lemon that life can offer, losing a child, push him down bitter road. But he hasn't. He's been at work every day. I, I tell him all the time, take, take some time off. But he's been at work every day, helping us to serve our community. Out there every Wednesday during our Manna from Heaven program, helping us feed those who are in need right now because of the economic impact of COVID. And the news asked him the question. They said, they said, how do you go on? Here's what he said. He said, Jonathan was always about community service. And he wouldn't want me to sit home and do nothing. He would want me to continue to serve people just like I always have and I love to do. Pastor Al has found his strength in the Lord. A strength that I've seen him, quite frankly, that, that amazes me. When I come into the office in the morning, the same worship music he was playing while he was praying for his son, while his son was in the hospital, is the same worship music he still continues to play. Every day when I come in, he inspires me because he's living proof that you don't have to choose bitter road, but that you can choose better road. He has chosen despite the pain, despite the lemon, to ask the right question. Not why me, but what now? Jonathan won't want me to stay at home and do nothing. He would want me to go out there and serve the community. Why me is a common and normal question to ask as we process through the lemons of life. And God understands when we process that way. He doesn't get angry or mad or upset with us when we ask the why question. Many of God's generals even questioned God and asked why. David did in Psalm 13. David said this. He said, how long, O Lord, 
Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? David was processing the why question. Jesus, on the cross, in his humanity, processed the why question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is not the wrong question because it will draw God's anger. No, 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 no. That's religious. See, if anything, it draws God's mercy, God's compassion, God's grace. But it's the wrong question because if we dwell on it too long, it leaves us stuck in the pain and paralyzed from moving forward. That's what Pastor Al was saying when he said, Jonathan won't want me to sit here and do nothing. He said, I can't, I can't allow the pain to paralyze me. And if I dwell on the why me long enough, I'm going to go down bitter road, even though I don't want to go down bitter road. Focusing on why in a world that isn't fair can and often does, does cause us to dull the pain the wrong way. You know, there's a right and wrong way to deal with bitterness and dull the pain. Can, can we go back to Jesus on the cross for a moment? In John chapter 19... Jesus is on the cross, and he says one of the seven things, I thirst. After this, verse number 28, knowing that all that was now finished, he said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And then a jar of sour wine stood there. So they put it on a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch. They held it to his mouth, and when Jesus had received or when they had offered it to him, because Matthew tells us he rejected it, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and he gave up the spirit. Jesus, the God who made the oceans, think about this for a second. The God who made the oceans got thirsty. The God who is the source of water got thirsty for you. Let me think about that. But here's what I want you to notice. They offered him this sour wine on a stick. The sour wine was usually mixed with myrrh. It was to be an antiseptic. That was offered to people who were being crucified on a cross, usually by the woman who hung around the cross, so it would dull the pain. But Jesus rejected that dulling of the pain. And the reason why he rejected it is because he knew that there are certain types of ways that we dull our pain that blocks us from finishing what God has put us on the earth for. Blocks us from seeing the plan of God unfold in our life. And Jesus wouldn't allow the pain of the moment to stand in the way of the plan of God for the rest of his life. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I can tell you there's still more that God has for you to do. Don't let bitter road take you down a path so that you won't experience what God has for you and so that you won't see the rest of what God has for you. Because if you go down that, you will dull the pain the wrong way. You will anesthetize the pain through avoidance. You'll anesthetize the pain through procrastination. You'll anesthetize the pain by pretending it doesn't exist. You'll anesthetize the pain with drugs and addictive behaviors and things like that that never really do take away the pain. See, don't take the bait on a stick called bitter road. There is a better way for you to deal with your pain. There is a better way to, for you to handle life's lemons. And that's what Pastor Al was doing. He was focusing on, okay, what now? Not why me. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples when they asked him a question 
about a man that was born blind. They said, who sinned? The man or his parents that he was born blind. Think about that for a minute. The person was born blind. They asked if the person sinned. How could the person sin before the person was born? It's crazy, right? They, they were looking for cause and effect. They were looking for an answer to the why did they get the lemon. And, and what I love about Jesus is, listen to what he says. John chapter 9, verse number 6. He says, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Because we need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. Jesus was saying, it's not that I don't understand why. It's not that I don't understand the human cry of why. It's not that I don't understand the pain of why. Because on the cross, I felt it. But here's what he was saying. It's the wrong question. It'll keep you stuck. It'll keep your head down. Peter wrote, there's a better question. And the better question is what now? God, I'm going to trust you that even though I can't come to grips with the why of my pain, that you have a what for my life. God, what now? God, I'm going to keep serving you. You. And serving people as I've always loved to do. And trust you to take my pain and repurpose it. To take my pain and point me in the right direction. To take my pain and turn it into somebody else's promise. To take my pain and give me a platform of healing. To take my pain and allow me to kick the snot out of the devil from whence it came. You know why what now is so important? Because yeah, there's anger there. There's hurt there. And you know what? There is a good outlet for anger and hurt. Focus it on the enemy of our soul. Use your life to make him pay for the pain and the lemons that came into your life. So today, I want you to know, look instead to what God can do. That's how you make lemonade. That's how you make lemonade. Jesus wants you to know there is a choice for you to make. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to raise my glass of lemonade to all of you who have gotten life's lemons. And I want to prophetically declare over you that God is going to give you a lemonade stand in the presence of your enemy that is going to bless your socks off. Let's make Lemonade, when life deals us lemons. Do you receive it? I know you do. I want to close by taking you back. It's my second closing, but you can play behind me a little bit. I want to take you back to the cross for just a moment. And you know, the scripture that we read when he said, I thirst, said he did this to fulfill scripture. By the time Jesus is at this moment on the cross, 299 out of the 300 prophecies about his life predicted before his birth have come to pass. 299 out of 300. Now for me, the odds of 299 out of 300 things happening in a person's life predicted before the person was born would qualify, would be enough for me to say, that is the Savior. But Jesus didn't want us to have one iota of doubt that he is who he said he was. And so on the cross, there was one prophecy that had not yet been fulfilled. It's spoken of in Psalm 69, where it says, they gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. 
Let their own table before them become a snare. And when they are at peace, let it become a trap. There was one prophecy that on the cross they would offer him sour wine. And so the reason why he said, I thirst, is for you and me. It was so that you and I would know, not 299 out of 300, but 300 out of 300, that he was who he said he was. That he was God manifest in the flesh and the Savior of the world. To to come to this earth to rescue us from sin and all the lemons that life offers us so that we would ultimately be able to go to a place when we leave this earth where every lemon is turned into lemonade. That place of cost is heaven. If you're watching today and you feel the tug at your heart right now, that's the Holy Spirit saying you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Right there, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. I repent of my sins. And I make Jesus my personal Lord and Savior. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that you become born again. You've been made new. Heaven's your eternal home. That you have the lemonade maker now on your side. He's going to help you to turn all of those lemons into something that you can live with and move forward with. Thanks so much for watching, but don't just stop there. Click the Watch Live button in the description below to join us for Faith Church Online every Sunday morning. And while you're there, you can set a reminder to come back Sundays at 9 and 11. If you'd also like to learn more about getting involved here at Faith Church, you can click the Connect button. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so that you don't miss a single video and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you again for watching. And as always, remember, with Jesus, you are destined to win.